The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 4. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back again to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. And it's going to be another fun one because not only do we get to dig into this incredible episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I have another great guest co-host for you this week to help me break it down. So this week, I'm talking to Ryan Fraseri. And Ryan is the host of Talkin' Snicked, a podcast that I've been listening to for the past few years that discusses all things Wolverine. It's a fantastic podcast, and if you are a Wolverine fan, I highly suggest you check it out. He goes through, you know, the iconic comic storylines, beat for beat. Uh, he talks about Wolverine toys, action figures. Uh, he digs into the animated series. I mean, it's everything you could want from a Wolverine podcast. So definitely check that out. And and when I found it, it was like there was no other Wolverine podcast. Like to my astonishment, like you would think there'd be a million Wolverine pos- podcasts out there, but but no, Ryan's was the only one. Now there are a few other ones now, but none that I found better than Talking Snicked. And if Wolverine isn't your thing. Ryan has another podcast devoted to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that he hosts with his sons. And and I just think that's really cool that he's like bringing his kids into the mix and sharing his love for something with them. And so if you're a TMNT fan, the Lone Rat and Cubs podcast is one you should definitely go check out. Anyway, I was a fan of Talking Snicked and I loved what Ryan did so much over there that I wanted to pick his brain about these series, these Disney Plus Marvel series. So I reached out, and he was more than willing to come on the show. So so let's not waste any more time. Let's dig into episode four of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Ryan Fraseri. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, man. I'm, I'm glad we're finally getting to do this. Yeah, same here, Absolutely. Dude, I've uh, I've been a listener to Talking Snicked since probably like 2018, and I just I really enjoy what you do over there. It's it's a great show. I like how you walk through the comics like beat for beat, and um, I, I just really enjoy it, man. So I just wanted to say that and um, kind of ask you, what made you start a Wolverine podcast? Like, where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for listening to the show. I appreciate that. I found podcasts kind of late to the game. I know that uh, a lot of podcasts kind of get started, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And a lot of the big podcasts I started listening to had already been around for years by the time I found them. Um, and so I just kind of started going through various X-Men podcasts. And I just kind of learned that uh, a lot of the X-Men podcasters out there really didn't care for Wolverine as a character. Mm-hmm. And growing up, you know, thanks to the cartoons and, and the trading cards and the toy lines and stuff, Wolverine was always at the top of my list as far as Marvel characters, as far as X-Men. 
And I just felt that uh, the character was maybe misunderstood and underappreciated. And I just wanted to go through and spotlight all the different things about Wolverine that make him such a compelling character outside of the fact that, you know, he's this ultra violent little furball. Dude, uh, I, I agree 100 percent. I'm a huge Wolverine fan. Obviously, I, I went searching for a Wolverine podcast. Um, what surprised me is, though, is that there weren't many podcasts like that. Like I, you might have been the only one at the time. Yeah, I think there's a couple others out there. Um, the best thing to do is search for snicked as a keyword instead of Wolverine. I think we all mm-hmm. seem to have snicked in our title somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there really wasn't. Uh, I think when I started mine, I, I had searched for Wolverine and there was one other podcast. And by the time I started listening to it, the guy had kind of shifted from being a Wolverine podcast to just a Marvel podcast. Mm-hmm. I think the first episode I listened to, the guy was covering like the most recent Avengers comics. And so okay. I just wanted to, I just figured it was a good time to to start diving into Logan's backstory. Well, that's awesome, dude. I, I'm really enjoying what you do. Uh, I know you took a little time off like last year, uh, but it seems like you're back strong. So uh, hopefully some of the listeners here will move, move their way over there as well, because it's, it's a great podcast. Well, thanks, man. So in listening to your podcast, like I, I realized like it, it wasn't just Wolverine. Obviously I was searching out a Wolverine podcast, but I just really enjoy your insights, you know, and your opinions that you add to what you're doing. And I like the way that you do what you do. So, you know, that's kind of what, what made me reach out and uh, invite you here today to kind of maybe move that same type of insights and opinion over to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and see what you thought there. So you want to go ahead and jump into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. And and stop me anytime. I'm, I'll, I'll break periodically to talk about these things, but anytime you want to jump in, jump right in. Sure. So uh, the episode opens with that trademark Wakandan music, right? And we're in a flashback with, uh, how do you say it? Ayo? Ayo? Yeah, I think Ayo. Ayo. It's, uh, it's, so we're basically in this, uh, in this spot back, back when he was in Wakanda and he's finishing up, I guess you would call it like his rehab, right? And she's reciting the trigger words and, you know, to, just to see if he has overcome this brainwashing completely. And you can really see like Sebastian Stan is killing it as, as Bucky, just as a tortured soul. Um, you can see the anguish on his face. And I feel like this whole series as fast paced as it is, is like, it's done a really good job letting the audience know how the characters are feeling, you know, what they're going through. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Like in terms of the acting and, and the storytelling, what do you think? You think they're doing a good job there? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's a single weak link in this series yet. I think every actor who's come onto the show in these in these four episodes has done a phenomenal job of, like you said, kind of letting the characters be emotional and showing us how they're feeling. I mean, that even goes back to Nakajima and uh, the lady in the like the tea house or the sushi house. Even in the first episode, we saw mm-hmm. that. But yeah, Sebastian Stan has, I don't know if he's elevated his game or if we've just never had the chance to really see him go all out with his acting. But I mean, the dude's acting his butt off right here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it feels like it does feel like he's upped his game like in the series. And you would think that 
it wouldn't be that way. You you would almost think it would take a step down for series, but no, he's he's really elevated what he's doing. Um, and, and same with everyone else as well. I feel like I've really got some insights into Sam's character too. Like we're these are kind of like if if the Avengers stories that we were getting in the movies were were kind of B level characters before the movies, um, these are like the C level characters, and we're really getting to know who they are now. Like. I don't know. I I enjoy that they're doing that. They're taking these characters that were, you know, kind of sidekicks, kind of um, mm-hmm. add-ons originally, and just really making them the main focus. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. No, they've done a great job. I mean, these characters have been given so much to do in the comics, you know, over the years and stuff when when the main heroes have died or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of the same situation we're finding ourselves in in these series, in these shows, in these movies now. Uh, but I mean, they've they've really just keyed in on what makes these characters so relatable and so compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, um, just jumping back in, we are back in present day now, and we've got Ao standing there with Bucky. That's kind of where we left off last episode. And she's like, "How could you set Zemo free?" You know, um, and that little flashback that we got kind of showed us that these two specifically. They have a, a previous relationship, not not like romantic relationship, but, you know, um, they've had some encounters that they work together and um, just the fact that they were close in the past, you know. Yeah. And uh, before I was kind of questioning it, like, why why do they send her? Why why is she the one that showed up rather than, you know, Akoya or, you know, um, Shuri or something like that? But um, them showing us that makes it a little more significant and it makes sense why she's the one that showed up. Yep. So. Uh, she issues the first of many time limits placed on the characters in this episode, right? She gives him eight hours to take care of his business with Zemo, put his ass back in prison, right? And um, yeah, we're going to revisit that more later on. There, There's other time limits placed. It's, it's, it's a nice little plot device that they use in this episode. It really kind of like ups the ante on everything. Um, but this next scene is Zemo, Bucky, and Sam. And, and it's one of my favorites. Like, this, uh, anytime when you've got these characters alone in their little safe house throughout this episode, having discussions, is probably my favorite thing of this episode. It, I know that the action is incredible in this one, and, you know, the, the fight scenes, uh, but I love these little, like, quiet moments with the dialogue and kind of introspection. It's, it's, the whole series is doing that really well. Yeah, they're almost giving us more implications in these little conversations than they are in the action pieces itself. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. Um, so a, a lot of point of the different point of views are are thrown out here when when they're having this little discussion at their little home base. And uh, Zemo puts forth the idea that anyone seeking to become a super soldier is headed towards supremacy. That you know they they kind of go together, and um. It just says a lot like this is some really good contextual stuff and stuff that's going to come up later, some foreshadowing for later in the episode. And they're talking for a while and they, they put together that there's going to be some sort of memorial service, right? Mm-hmm. Donia, she's the sort of elder godmother within this group of refugees that, that the Flag Smashers are a part of. And now I can't remember what city are they in here because I can't remember what they are, what country. I think at this point they're still in Latvia. Okay. Okay. So we'll call it Latvia. Um, they, uh, so they find out about this memorial service and 
Sam and Bucky and Zemo, they, they head out into the city searching for the Flag Smashers, right? They're questioning people. They go around downtown area, um, and they're asking where they can find Donia Madani. But mm-hmm. no one is giving anything up. No one's speaking up. No one trusts them until Zemo bribes some refugee children with uh, Turkish delights. Uh, have you ever had Turkish delights, Ryan? I have never, ever had Turkish delight, but uh, I know that in the Chronicles of Narnia books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the White Witch, actually, that's how she's able to, like, uh, convince Edmund, one of the children, to, like, turn on the other children Mm -hmm. is by using the Turkish delight as a way to kind of bribe him for information, too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool that they use this here as well. That's that's like I feel like they did that on purpose. Because a lot of the fandom is, I mean, let's be real. Like, we're all, like, geeky nerds. We we kind of, like, read and absorb the same type of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, across, across, you know, different content. Uh, but I, I guarantee that they, they did that purposely. Yeah, um, I'm loving the references. We've got Hobbit references. We've got Lord of the Rings. And, uh, and now we've got Chronicles of Narnia stuff. I mean, these are the books that I grew up reading outside yeah. of comics. So, yeah, I'm liking all these little references. I really enjoyed this scene, too, with uh, Sam and Bucky kind of going through and trying to get information uh, and how the the people that were working there, like the teacher, is saying yeah. that we don't trust outsiders and that sort of thing. And it almost is running counterintuitive to what the mission of the Flag Smashers is in the first place, right? Like, they're one world, one people, a world without borders, where everyone is in this tribe together, and yet here they are saying, we don't trust outsiders. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and, th- and that's what's, I think that's what's so great about this series, right? I know you and I have talked um, over the past couple of weeks about this series a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, just how it's, it, it, it's really gray, right? Like, it's, it, it, there's no black and white here. Like, the, the characters want to think in black and white. They try to but they just can't like everyone's got their hard moral stance. Um, but it's like, no one's all the way. Right. Yeah. It's really, I, I find myself like whoever, whoever's talking at the time, mm-hmm. like that's the person who I agree with. I'm yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's a good point. But then Sam says something. It's like, Oh no, I agree with Sam. And then Zemo right. says, you know, it's every time someone shares an opinion, I'm like, Oh crap. I don't know where I fall. Like who's the villain in this series. I, I can't figure it out yet. Yeah, it's dude, it's perfect storytelling. Like it, it's fantastic writing. Like when you can do that, I, I don't know. It's it's incredible. I couldn't do it if I tried to write the story. It would be nothing. Like it would be very black and white and silly. And, and you know, there'd be there'd probably be a uh, villains for the sake of villainy. But mm-hmm. I love I love like being immersed in a story like this where you're not really sure exactly sure who the bad guys are. You don't really know how it's going to play out in the end either. Like, because of that, you don't, you don't know, you know, it's like, what does it mean for the good guys to win? If you don't really know which ones are the good guys. Yeah. All right. Jumping back in here. Uh, the, the kid gives up where the funeral is going to be held. Tell Zemo, but Zemo kind of keeps, he wants to keep this information to himself a little bit, right? He wants to remain useful to uh Sam and Bucky. And <laughs> I'm sorry. So I have notes. I have notes uh, from the episode, and um, I, I usually record my notes with speech to text. Okay. <laughs> and uh, 
I just had to say this. So every time I would say Sam, Sam and Bucky, it would it would write down salmon, buggy, <laughs> so <laughs> like the fish, and then like a bug, and nice. uh, it's distracting as I go through here. So, um, all right, so so yeah, he he kind of wants to hold on to this information, right? He's not ready to go back to jail just yet. And we get more of this discussion uh, between Sam, Bucky, and Zemo. And Sam kind of reveals, you know, his his sympathy or at least empathy for Carly and the Flag Smashers. And that, you know, he doesn't agree with what she's doing, but but he gets where she's coming from. He understands uh, why they feel the way they do. Yeah. And like I said, like you and I have, have talked about a lot about this, but um, yeah, it, it's just this episode specifically was really good with this like just that constant conversation about super soldiers about um you know what's you know whose side are you on like when you're when you're watching this series so this next scene it's it's a short one but uh i had to bring this one up because you and i have been discussing madripoor for weeks now right i mean we were really excited about (laughs) madripoor because of the connection to wolverine of course and uh yeah, and we were hoping that our episode would just happen to be the one where they reveal Madripoor, you know, the Madripoor episode. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping for that, hoping for that. And and no, it happened last week. But I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm actually really glad because this episode was so damn good. And um, we have a little opening, though, to talk about Madripoor because we don't get full on Madripoor, but we do get a conversation with Sharon Carter, who happens to be walking through the streets of Madripoor while she's on the phone. So what do you think about Madripoor? Okay, so watching this scene early in the morning when it first came out on Friday, um, I saw that we were back there. So, of course, I'm paying attention. I'm I'm zoomed in a little bit. And uh, the course of uh, Sharon's conversation, she's like walking down the street and there's all this graffiti on the back wall and everything. And one of the pieces that she walks in front of is like this kind of orangey tigerish looking cat thing. And it's yeah. signed by, you know, the person that, that did the art. And I couldn't tell at first. And it almost looked like it said it was at Jessen. It was, you know, like the signature for the art was like the at symbol. And mm-hmm. then it looked like the name Jessen or Jason, which if you've read any of the Wolverine and Madripoor stuff, then you'd know that Jessen Hone is a character named Tiger Tiger, who's like the underworld leader. Um, but then, yeah, the second time I watched the episode, I made sure to pause there and zoom in, and it didn't say that. It was like at Jisor. It was like J-I-S-S-O-R. So I was kind of bummed. I was like, oh, man, I thought they were giving us like a, a little Tiger Tiger reference or something. But no, I'm, I'm digging Madripoor. I think they've done a good job. Uh, Lowtown especially just looks like a place that I don't want to spend any time. <laughs> so I think they've got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Madripoor. And I, and I went in last week with the guest I had on talking about it and how it just it, – they did a good job at bringing to life what I kind of imagined a, a, a live-action Madripoor would look like. Uh, it's it's a little more modernized than than I, I guess I figured just because the comics I'm picturing Madripoor from are from the late '80s, early '90s, mm-hmm. and uh, so I had a, you know an, an old school view of Madripoor. But I think what they did with it is amazing. Like that that little bit of like 
almost futuristic kind of cyberpunkish, you know, uh, feel to it. But it still feels like this this down and dirty, this gritty uh, underworld town. So, yeah, I, I love Madripoor. And I, I hope we get to go back there. I hope we get a little bit more. I feel like at some point, even if not in this series, they're going to they're going to keep bringing that city back. And just like it was in the comics, you know, mm-hmm. I, oh, think gonna, I, I think we're going to see more of that. All right. And that's that's really all we get from sharing this episode. Right. I think uh, I think from the trailers, though, that we're probably going to see. We're going to see her more, maybe back in the States or something. It, it, from the trailers, it looked like there's more Sharon Carter to come. Right. So, um, and, and all we get from that is that uh, she's dealing with some issues there in Madripoor because, you know, of all the trouble that, that Sam and Bucky and Zemo stirred up before they left. And uh, we get Sam kind of asks for her help. And she hooks him up with some, uh, you know, some satellite. Just like some recon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, some tech to track people. Okay, so so the next scene we get is, I liked it. It's more of this uh, conversational, you know, slower deal where we got Carly and Nico. And, and they're going to retrieve the super soldier serum, the first we've seen of it yet. And it's hidden at Nico's grandfather's gravesite. We get this good dialogue where Nico reveals that, you know, when he was a kid, he loved Captain America. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he even puts forth that Carly might actually make a good Captain America be, because she actually kind of represents the people, right? And, and it's funny because, I, you know, I, I'm not seeing that at all. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I get it, but she's killing people. So, uh, but... Carly, much like Sam, responds in saying, you know, like she she'd rather see the shield destroyed. Right. Yeah. Um, and while I don't think John Walker lives up to the mantle, I, I hardly think that, that Carly does either. Right. I, I kind of like this uh, this dichotomy we're getting between Carly and Walker right now. Um, obviously, Sam is our entryway into the series. So Sam and Bucky, their storyline is kind of they're kind of caught in the middle. And we're almost getting the ramifications of Civil War. Right. Like in Civil War, it kind of focused more on the storyline with Steve trying to redeem Bucky and the whole idea of the Sokovia Act or the Sokovia Accords with, you know, registered superheroes or people that don't get to act as superheroes if they're not registered. We never really got to see what those implications were in the real world. And so now we have the registered superhero working for the government in this new Captain America, John Walker, and we see how how much of a bad idea that actually can be. But at the same time, we have Carly, who has taken the serum, has superpowers at this point, and does not have any kind of jurisdiction for anything. And we're seeing that that's also actually a bad idea. So there's got to be something somewhere in the middle. I think that's where the Sam and Bucky storyline is going to kind of come from. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, obviously they're, they're, they do a lot of social commentary in the series. And while I don't always like that in, in all of my media, uh, I think it fits really well in this series. I think it, I mean, it fits perfectly. And, and it always kind of has in this, in the Captain America world, whether it be comics, whether it be the films that we've already seen. Um, I think it's a great place to to do some social commentary. Like, where else are you going to do it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think they're showing the two extremes. Like, even if you look at today's climate, right, you've got extremists politically, you know, um, 
on the left, on the right, you've got the the extremists. And if you're just a regular person, you look at it like I don't I don't like either of those. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah like, they're they're both it, bad. <laughs> like, what are yeah. we doing here? <laughs> right. And I think this series is is hitting on that really well. And it's funny that uh, depending on your perspective, there are people out there, and you can look across the Twitterverse, you can look online and see that there are people who 100% are on the side of Carly and the Flag Smashers. And then mm-hmm. you've even got some people who are 100% diehard John Walker fans, which I find kind of crazy. But, <laughs> you know, I think most people fall on the Sam and Bucky side, right? Like, that's where they're at. And it's kind of in the middle. It's like, even them, like, even they are questioning like who is right what exactly is the right thing to do here like is carly right maybe but is the way she's going about it right absolutely not like does john walker maybe have good intentions yeah possibly um but you know he's also you know this this violent extremist as well so i I think it's a great great commentary i love it yeah and um, and and I find myself being like, yeah, Zemo, I think, is the most right of all the characters so far. Like, he's the one that is making the most sense. And that scares me. Yeah. And that, yeah, that is crazy because, you know, in his world, there would be no superpower people. Like, he would almost fall um, on a, like, Magneto kind of spectrum. Like, he, he would get rid of, not Magneto, but the opposite, right? So, like, you've got Magneto who wants mutant supremacy. Then you've got, like... Um, what do you call like the mutant control agency who wants to uh, mm-hmm. register everyone, control everyone, and uh, yeah. Zemo? Yeah, he just wants to get rid of all the superpowered people because he thinks it's dangerous. Yeah, it, it's all pretty extreme, but yeah, you're right. I, I feel like Zemo probably makes the most sense in this series so far. Yeah, it's just the the age old adage of uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like no matter how good your intentions are at the beginning, having this kind of power eventually. In the in the pecking order, you're going to be above someone else at some point, and that could poison you. All right, so jumping back in, uh, Walker and Battlestar catch up with Sam and Bucky, and they're kind of arguing back and forth about taking Carly down or taking her out. You know, trying to uh, talk with her and reason, or you know, obviously Sam can sympathize with her, and a guy like Walker thinks only in black and white. You know, he he. It's good or bad. So Carly's the bad guy. She's got to be taken out. And Sam mm-hmm. kind of convinces them, you know, give me 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes to talk to her. And that's our kind of once again, they're using time to bring some urgency into the episode. And uh, he, he's like, give me this 10 minutes to go talk to Carly. And uh, Walker kind of begrudgingly agrees, you know, he's like, just 10 minutes. That, that's all you get. So. Sam shows up at this funeral or this memorial service, kind of waits around to get a moment alone with Carly. And while talking to her, he's really just trying to reason with her. He's trying to say, you know, like, I agree with your cause. I do not agree with the way you're going about it. Again, this is, uh, this is, it's more social commentary. And it's like, for me, I'm getting the Malcolm X and Martin Luther King type of, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like that, that's the battle I'm seeing here. This, uh, this, it's this all or nothing, this, um, you know, by any means necessary or, you know, 
take care of it without violence, without terrorism. Maybe we can make some change without killing people. You know, we got right, Sam. Yeah. Sam here is is kind of the the MLK character where Carly is definitely the Malcolm X character. She's like, you know, whatever it takes to to, to get to where we want to go. And uh, Sam's basically kind of tricks her into admitting that, uh, yeah, her, her thoughts are kind of supremacist as well. Yeah, I, I like that he straight up tells her, like, Zemo says that you're a supremacist. And she's like, no mm-hmm. way. And then at the by the end of the conversation, she's over here admitting, like, yeah, these these corrupt organizations that are in charge need to be destroyed. And if that means that people die, you know, like, then so be it. I'll gladly right. keep doing that if it means that we'll be able to get what we feel is fair for everyone. Yeah, and I thought it was clever. He kind of... And she even says, like, you tricked me into saying that. It's like, well, no, you just he's just making you say your actual beliefs out loud. Like, it doesn't sound as good out loud, does it? So maybe, yeah. maybe we get her kind of questioning herself going forward, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So Walker, he's tired of waiting, and, and he wants to storm in. But I love this moment where Bucky just kind of stands firm and won't let Walker pass. And there's not a damn thing Walker can do about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but, but, but finally... Uh, Walker gets in and, and he tries to arrest Carly. There's some chasing, some fighting ensues, and uh, oh, Zemo shows up with the gun, starts shooting at Carly. Right. Uh, and uh, she gets away, but not before dropping all of the super soldier serum. Right. Zemo, he starts stomping on the vials and uh, destroys them all. At least he thinks he destroys them all, but one remains. One is kind of over in the corner. John Walker finds it. And we know where this is going, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Like, when this happened, I'm like, yes. Like, finally, you know, it's episode four. And um, we've only got two left. We got to, if we're going to get John Walker juiced to the gills with super soldiers here, it's got (laughs) to happen now, right? Yes. I love this scene, too. I I loved how Zemo sees it, you know, and he, he sees all the vials on the floor and he picks one up. And he hesitates at first, and and you're wondering, like, is he hesitating because he wants to take one? Like, what's mm-hmm. going on? And then he just throws it to the ground, and like you said, he stomps on all the other ones that he sees. It's like, all right, cool. So this one character is actually holding to his principles. That's interesting to see, where because he, he's said from the get-go, you know, I don't believe in super soldiers. Yep. And here he is. He finally has the chance to give himself an advantage and uh, he, he doesn't take it. I thought that was really interesting. And then, yeah, seeing John Walker come in, he's looking around. He's really angry. Um, and then I love his little, like, head tilt that he does when he sees the vial before he walks over and picks it up. I just, dude, Wyatt Russell is putting in so much nuance to this character that I feel is getting overlooked because yes. everybody hates John Walker. And, yeah, we're supposed to. <laughs> Uh, he's right. doing a great job, but there's just so much nuance to this character. He's doing amazing stuff. Yeah, and just to get, just to get to a point where you hate a character as much as we hate John Walker, like he he would have to turn in an awesome performance, right? Like if, if there's anyone that you really hate in in a book or a series or you know a movie, there's there's a lot going on there that, that makes you hate them. It's not just, you know, Oh, it's the villain. I hate him. Cause you can, you know, I don't, I don't like King Koopa. Right. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't like any, uh, these silly villains, but you don't have this hate for him. Like, Oh, I really want to see him pay. You know what I mean? You don't care that much, but you do with John Walker. 
Like you really oh, yeah. want to see, you want to see it come to a head with John Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's done less, I feel, than like Kylo Ren did, and mm-hmm. people hate John Walker, you know, ten times as much as they hated Kylo Ren. Yes, I mean, do do you know anyone that's talking about like, oh, I really hope they can redeem this character? <laughs> like, I, 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 haven't, I haven't heard that at all. I was feeling that way coming into this episode because I mm-hmm. I. I've never really read Captain America comics mm-hmm. like, you know, run by run, especially like the Mark Grunewald run, which is considered to be one of the best, you know, the late 70s, 80s into the 90s, that sort of era, which is a lot of people would say that's like the best Captain America run that you'll ever get. I think the only Captain America run that I've ever read is the Brubaker run, like right after Civil War, right? Um so so I know a little bit about John Walker from the comics. Like by the time I knew who he was, he was already US agent. So I didn't get any of that backstory of Super Patriot and then like pretty much usurping the mantle of Captain America and then just this downward spiral that he was going on. But I knew a little I knew enough about it to be like, all right, eventually this guy's gonna be sort of like a pseudo villain, but then he'll he'll be redeemed and he'll be US agent. So Coming into this episode, I'm like, yeah, I can't wait till we get this little arc and then people will stop hating him and he gets to become U.S. agent. That's fine. But yeah, after this episode, I'm like, you know what? I don't want a redemption. I, I kind of yeah. like the fact that he's so unhinged and he's becoming just this like this this awesome villain character. I almost just want to see that for John Walker. Yeah. And and obviously the, the best villains, right, are always the ones that that they live in that morally gray area. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, I feel like his intentions are probably good. I feel like, um, you know, he looks back to his time in service and things like that, where he, he saw his friends die, you know, um, you know, he wants to save people. I really think that he does. I think that he wants to be a hero. Um, but the problem is, is that, yeah, he's, He's mentally unhinged. There's, I mean, it, it creates this, I got, I, well, I just got done saying that there's like no sympathy for him, but you can see where he's coming from. And especially with wanting to take the serum, right? You get that because man, he, he gets his ass handed to him throughout the series. And how's anyone ever going to take him seriously as, as Captain America when just everyone kicks his ass? Like every. Right. Yeah, no one res- like no one's respecting the uniform and which is what he's expecting, you know. He's expecting, right. okay, I've got this uniform on. At the very least, when I interact with these people, I will be given the respect worthy of this this uniform, which, you know, comes from his military past. You always respect the rank, whether or not you respect the man or the woman who is wearing that particular rank. You always respect the rank. And here he is, Captain America. He's like he's above a rank now. He's a symbol, and yet he's not getting respect. And and yeah, you seeing that alone is is enough to make him to tempt him into taking the serum. Temporarily away from the fight, the flag smashers are kind of regrouping, and we see that they're still receiving these messages from the power broker saying, like, you know, if I don't get my serum back, I'm gonna kill you. And you know, now they're they're in a serious problem because they have no serum. There's nothing. Not only can they not use them to to create their army for their own sake, uh, but now somebody else wants to kill them for it, and they, they don't even have it. And uh, then we also get back at the uh, the trio's little safe house, 
Sam and Zemo are having more of that philosophical discussion about super soldiers and super powered individuals. And, and Zemo thinks, you know, they can't be allowed to exist. You know, we got to get rid of them. And, and Sam kind of brings up like, hey, uh, you're talking about our, our pal Bucky over here, too. You know that, right? And um, it, it, that's another thing that gets you to like think a little bit more about it, right? You can't fully agree with Zemo either, even though he is making sense. It's like, yeah, but look at look at the redemption we've seen with the Winter Soldier. And, you know, so obviously not all of them are bad. And it, it, it maybe I don't know what's going to happen with Zemo, but maybe it, he can s- start to see that through what's happened with the Winter Soldier that that just having superpowers doesn't necessarily mean supremacy every time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so they're having this discussion and John Walker bursts in, right? Uh, he says, you know, it's time for Zemo to go back, time for him to be locked up again. Um, and then, boom, the Wakandans show up as well. The eight hours is up. Everything's coming to a head. And uh, they're all throwing down, right? And John mm-hmm. Walker, just like I was saying before, he gets his ass handed to him, <laughs> right, by these Wakandans. And, man, it, like he's – you just imagine how, like, emasculated he must feel, right? He's He is Captain America. He's supposed to be, like, the ultimate – soldier the ultimate symbol and he just gets his ass whooped and, and, and by a chick you know yeah. and, and to him that's got to be the worst right and, and and on top of that she doesn't have any kind of powers no powers at all yeah and, yeah uh, the the best part of the whole fight was the spear that goes through the the handle for the shield <laughs> and he can't get the spear out of the table and his shield is stuck. Oh my god! Like I, that was the moment right there. It was like when he could not get the the spear out of the table. Just the yeah. look on his face. It's like there it is. That's his breaking point right there. Right. That's that's where it's like his decision was made. I think at that point, like I'm taking I'm taking this fucking spear, taking this. Yep. And I get it too. Like I said, how are you going to compete with all these powered individuals? He has no chance whatsoever against them without the uh, without the enhancement. Right. Uh, and all the commotion, Zemo escapes for the third time in this series. Like he just keeps disappearing, getting out of handcuffs, uh, just slipping out the back. Zemo's a uh, escape artist for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Walker and Battlestar are having this discussion, you know, after this little confrontation about whether or not they would take the, the serum. And and Walker mentions something that, that kind of makes you get the impression he's like he's worried a little bit about the side effects, like how it might change a person if they take it. And Battlestar basically gives Walker the okay, you know, without meaning to, uh, by saying, look, man, think of how many people we could have saved that, that, that we've seen die in battle and how, how much good we could have done had we been enhanced. So I think there that, that solidifies his decision right there. Yep. Yeah, I like so, um, if you if you spend any time on social media, there's you know there's always the memes that come out after each episode, mm-hmm. and the one that's circling circulating right now that I'm really enjoying is um, it's just a meme of like the Erskine conversation with Steve from First Avenger, yes. where he just says you know like when you take this, I hope that you stay a good man, not a perfect soldier, but a good man, and so we're seeing a lot of people like putting the two side by side. Steve, good man. Uh, John, perfect soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and that it, it does make you recall that moment to that conversation from, 
from uh, the first Avenger over and over again because we keep getting reminded how the serum just enhances what's already there, whether that's yep. good or bad, right? If if you're a if you're a good person, you're still going to be a good person. You might be a you know you're just an improved version of a good person. Um, but yeah, in, in the wrong hands, it just makes you an evil son of a bitch like Red Skull. Yep. So, all right. So Carly crosses the line by uh, calling Sam's sister up and, and basically threatening her kids. And she wants a meeting with Sam alone. And this is the only way she thinks she can get it, which I don't understand why she would think that. Like, I feel like she could have just like Sam has been pretty amicable with her so far. So I don't know why the threat was needed. Uh, but Walker finds out about this little meeting and he and Battlestar kind of crash the party. And, and guess what? Walker, he's a super soldier now. And now this is, this is the only problem I had with the episode. I felt like that was a little too rushed. Like literally, what was it? Hours later, maybe, maybe, maybe a day later at the most. And he's already transformed. I know this is a newer version of the, the serum than we've seen in like Captain America, right? The Mm -hmm. first Avenger. Um, So it's probably not as involved of a process, but like how quick this was makes me picture him just like opening the vial, drinking it. And now he's a super soldier because I still had the impression that there was a process, right? Like you would be injected with the stuff. You'd have to be exposed to some radiation or something that, and the other people would have to be involved, but right. So he just changes like that. Yeah. I think it was in uh, episode two or three where Carly's kind of describing how it felt when she took it and how how her veins were on fire. And it was like hours at least, you know, and, like you said, it's a process. There were other people involved. And and yeah, this is like he just he just like cracked open the vial, popped it on a spoon, and just freebased it right there. And that was it, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a little too rushed. I mean, it was the very next scene, like, oh, he's super soldier now. You know, he was just talking to Battlestar about taking it, and now he's has taken it and fully enhanced now. Just a little too, that was the only thing in this episode that felt like, I would say unbelievable. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of unbelievable, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's comics, man. Like it's, right. none of it makes sense if you break it down. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little too fast for me, but either way, I'm happy to see that it's happening and we only have two episodes left. So like the, if you're going to do it, they got to do it now. So right. the, the flag smashers capture Battlestar, tie him up. Uh, Sam and Bucky and Walker kind of track them down and more great action ensues. Right. And this is probably the best, right? This is the, the climax of the episode. Like everyone's having it out. Massive brawl, Sam and Bucky and Walker kick some serious super soldier ass in this episode. Like this final scene, like they're just finally, they've got the upper hand and I guess it's because of Walker. Right. And also Sam has his wings strapped on. So the the fight's a little more even now. Mm -hmm. Um, Carly, maybe kind of by accident, but she still does it, smashes Battlestar into a wall and kills him. Now, I was not expecting that. I I really thought we would get more of this character going forward. Like, we. Yeah, I mean, so far they were really building Battlestar up to be like the the Jiminy Cricket, right, to John Walker's Pinocchio. Like, here's here's this little wooden boy who just wants to be a real soldier, and maybe he's going to stumble along the way, but Battlestar, with his, with his wisdom, 
is going to be there to keep him on the straight and narrow. And like now he's dead. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, now that you're saying it, the the way you're saying it, uh, I didn't really see it before, but it feels like, yeah, it's, it's a metaphor a little bit and it's uh, needed to happen. If we want to see John Walker go full baddie, right. You, you need yes. to get rid of his conscience and Battlestar was his conscience. I think it's kind of crappy that they killed the black guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that's awful, especially like in the context of this series where we've already seen what the government did to Isaiah Bradley, how yes. they've treated Sam. And now the, like the next in line, the next most prominent African-American in this super soldier program. And he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, it was a serious surprise. Like I didn't see it coming at all. I did not think that was going to happen. No, me neither. So the flag smashers take off with Walker in pursuit. Uh, he can't catch Carly, but he gets the next next best thing. Right, he he gets her main partner in crime, Nico. And right in the town square, we get the whole reason the episode is called "The Whole World Is Watching." Right, <laughs> right in front of the whole world, Walker straight up murders Nico with. The shield, the infamous shield, the shield we've been talking about this entire episode that probably gets more mentioned than anything else this entire series. Uh, just straight up blunt force trauma, bludgeons dude to death. And we get this crazy visual, right, of the shield covered in blood and everyone's like filming on their on their phones. It's wow. Like that. That was an episode right there. And I'm, I'm glad I know you and I were talking about um, kind of being upset that that our episode didn't land on the Madripoor episode, but this episode it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, biggest shocking ending so far in the series. Um, the the symbolism there, like, there's a lot to unpack, and we could probably sit here and talk for hours on just what the symbolism in, in this final moment is, but it it was powerful to say the least. Yeah, yeah, just seeing the the shield with the blood on it, like it was, and, and this is this is a Disney Plus series. I was a little surprised by that too. Like, man, like mm -hmm. they're not playing around. There's there's guns in this series. People are shooting people, and blood on the shield. That's that's crazy to see a man bludgeoned to death on a Disney streaming service was kind of wild. Yeah, with with Captain America's shield, no less. Yeah, and now. We've talked a lot about how this kind of this whole series kind of resides in that morally gray area, right? And this ending is like a perfect example. You know, it makes people think and have conversations and questions their own thoughts, even. And it, it does for me anyway. Like, it makes me think, like, oh, where do I stand on this? You know what I mean? Like, I know Walker's a bad guy, um, but but also his best friend just got murdered by these people. It's not like you know, and you know, you've got Walker killing. Carly's best friend right directly after his best friend gets killed and, and you were saying how when we were talking the the other day when this episode first came out that you've noticed a lot of people online kind of very upset about Walker killing someone and completely ignoring the fact that you know Carly just killed someone as well and, and it was Walker's best friend yeah like 10 seconds before uh this this terrorist you know I mean it's at this point the flag smashers have blown up a building and they've killed innocent people. So, mm -hmm. I mean, whether we agree with their goals, you know, the, the, uh, 
the ends don't necessarily justify the means. And so far we've seen them kill innocent people too. So I was yep. hearing people like, I can't believe Captain America would kill an innocent man like that and stuff. It's like, well, I mean, innocent, maybe, maybe the, the most innocent of the people who aren't like this guy was still a flag smasher. He was still technically a terrorist. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, he was surrendering. He was unarmed at this point. I mean, you know, yeah. so there's definitely, it's like, is John Walker justified here? Like, yes. And, but also definitely no. Um, but that's what people are talking about. Like, no one's talking about the fact that Carly literally just killed a man 10 seconds before John Walker kills this guy. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know. You'd think there'd be uh, a little bit more uproar, not more than, say, what Jen, John Walker did, but more than that we've seen online about Battlestar being killed off. Like, yeah. that's a big deal. Like, as we just discussed, like, we thought he was going to be, there was going to be a lot more Battlestar going forward. Um, you know, who knows where he would have went in the films and, you know, uh, other series. And no, he he's dead now. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of mind boggling, like how people zero in on, on certain things. Like, like I was saying earlier, some people are just so on the side of the flag smashers or so against John Walker that, uh, none of the other stuff that, that, that the flag smashers do matters. Like it's not, oh, well, you know, maybe they agree with them. Like some fans agree with the flag smashers to the point of by any means necessary. Um, <laughs> But I love it. I love that uh, that we have a wide variety of fans because otherwise there would be no great conversation like this. Like, you know, y- you kind of need the people who are like, oh, I'm, I'm all in on the Flag Smashers. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need people that are like crazily Team Walker. Um, it, without that, you don't get these back and forth discussions and you don't get to venture into that morally gray area and figure out where the middle is. Right. All right. So uh, I, I've got a question from a listener, and he says that uh, this is about Zemo. And he says, uh, you know, Zemo slipped out of custody time and time again. Uh, so where do you think Zemo ends up at the end of this series? Uh, well, I wouldn't want to be Zemo right now with the entire Dora Milaje on my trail. Um, yeah. So that I mean, that sucks for him. Um, I don't know where he's going to end up. Um I mean, obviously, with the comics, he can go the the whole route of starting the Masters of Evil or starting up the Thunderbolts even. You know, I think that he's definitely seen that there is possibly superheroes that are good, um, that you can be superheroes without being enhanced. You know, the fact that Sam, like, without hesitation, said that he would not take the serum. And that really, I think, kind of opened Zemo's eyes a little bit. I don't know where we're going to get him, but if they're going to make him more like a Loki character, which is like sometimes he's bad, sometimes he's good, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, this series has made me really appreciate this character. I mean, it's done the same for all the characters. Like I said earlier, these are like C-list characters, and um, I give a damn about them, whereas I, I didn't that much before. Like, I was excited for this series, but you know, these are side characters, right? But now yeah. they're becoming the main characters, and the the whole crew over at Marvel Studios that put this stuff together, and you know Kevin Feige with his kind of overall vision, 
they're damn good. They're damn good at what they're doing yes. because uh, I care every time that they, they, they do these movies or series about these characters that I did not care about before. Um, my whole entire perspective changes. Like I did not care at all about Captain America when Captain America movies came out. Um, and by the end of, you know, the, the 20 something films, that was my favorite character. You know, it was my favorite storyline. And, uh, same things happened here with Zemo. Like I, I care now what happens to Zemo. I did not care at all before. Right. Yeah. So no, I don't I'm know. Right there with you. So do you think, uh, they do you think he ends up back locked up by the end of this thing or we you know we get this kind of like whoa zemo escaped again and and we have no idea what's going to happen next with zemo um i mean i'd like to see him not get locked up just so that we have that question out there like what's going to happen next i mean not to yeah. say that we wouldn't have that if he was locked up too because like this listener said he's escaped custody several times before so even if he ends up locked up again it's, that's not the the end of his story uh, but yeah, I'd like to see him out there somewhere with, you know, in possession of some information or some tech or whatever it happens to be. I would love to see him set up for the future. I don't know. Who knows? Um, you know, with, with Madripoor being in the series, if if there is some sort of a final showdown with the power broker, then there's definitely going to be a vacuum in Madripoor. Possibly he could step in. In the comics, we've had Viper, who was in charge of Hydra at one point also in charge of Madripoor. Maybe they do something like that with Zemo instead. So you brought up the power broker, which is something that after last week's episode being titled the power broker and not really finding much out about the power broker, um, this episode almost forgets about him. He's barely mentioned he -hmm. or she, um, any theories on the power broker? Um, I mean, not necessarily any theories like I haven't found any clues that point to any particular identity, but I just my own personal like desire is that it's Arnim Zola just because I would love to see that character come back. The fact that every time we've heard or seen the power broker, it's been through like text messages and that sort of thing kind of makes me think that there's some sort of technological aspect to this character, which I think would fit perfectly for Arnim Zola. That would be interesting. I I never even like imagine that. That that's a good pull, man. Um, all right. So, kind of bringing this episode to a close here, wrapping things up. Final thoughts, Ryan. Where do you think the series goes from here? How do they wrap up this thing in two episodes, or do they? Um, I think that the wrap up that we'll see is that at some point Sam will take the shield and be Captain America, um, or at least he'll end the series with the shield so that we know that next time we see him, he'll be Captain America. If only because I think something that we learned from WandaVision, right, is that these series, as as awesome as they are and as much as Marvel can do with them, these series still kind of have to line up with where we last saw the character in the movies. Because currently, not every country has access to Disney Plus yet. I think that there's still... Um, countries in like Eastern Europe and parts of Asia, I think that still don't have the ability to watch these shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even if they did, not everyone has signed up for Disney plus. So you don't want to alienate those people from the major fan base, right? Like last time we saw Sam in a movie, Captain America gave him the shield. So the, the belief now is that 
next time we see Sam, he will be Captain America. So for anyone who's not able to to see this series, the end of this series kind of has to line up with that. Otherwise, they're not going to know what's going on, and that's going to make people lose interest in the movies, and that's obviously where the money is, right? So I think ultimately at the end of this show, Sam will take the shield. But I think everything else is is open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've, I might have mentioned that in, in episodes previous, but how these series can't do too much. Like as much as they can do, they kind of have to end where they began. Right. And uh, Yeah, man, I, I, I fully agree with that. So Ryan, thank you, dude. This has been really awesome. I had a feeling it, it would be. And now it's confirmed. So thanks for coming on. Open invitation. Anytime you want to come back. This was fantastic. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gents, that is going to do it for the conversation with Ryan. And if you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it, you should probably go check out Ryan's other work which will be linked in the show notes. Go check out Talkin' Snicked, The Wolverine Show, and Lone Rat and Cubs to get your TMNT fix. Now, there was one more question from a listener that actually didn't come through until the conversation with, with, with Ryan was already finished. So I'll try to tackle it here on my own. So Chris Phelps asks, and, and you may remember Chris from the Falcon the Winter Soldier episode one review. Uh, he was a guest host for that one. But Chris asks, do you think John Walker is going full on heel for the last episodes? And equally, do you think he survives the series and the MCU beyond this series? Well, first of all, I didn't know what he meant when he said full on heel. So I had to clarify and I reached out to him and it turns out that a heel is a wrestling term for a villain. So now that I've got that squared away, I I can, I think I could tackle the question. Uh, So do I think let's replace that word with villain. Do do I think that John Walker is going to be like the full on baddie now? Is he going to be the villain going forward in these last episodes? Uh, Yes, I do. I, I, I still think we're, we have a bigger antagonist uh, that was almost completely forgotten about this episode, the power broker, like, right? Like that's, that's really who the, 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 the main enemy is here. And I think it remains to be seen like how powerful this person is or, you know, what they're going to end up doing if they encounter this person um, or even if the person will be revealed in this series. But I think John Walker has set himself up now as a serious baddie, right? Uh, but I'm not sure what's going to happen with him. Uh, because, you know, with everyone filming the event that happened, uh, you know, that the U.S. government might not want to put him back out there in front of the public again, at least not right away. I, I don't think they're going to fully endorse this, at least not publicly. I mean, how could they? Um, so so I don't know. Um, and does he survive this series? I think probably so. I don't think they're going to kill this character off. They might they might lock him up by the end of this series. Uh, something like that might happen. But I don't see him being killed off. Now, I could be completely wrong. I'm terrible, terrible at predictions for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think John Walker survives this series and continues 
much like in the comics, to be a very gray, morally gray character where he, he can act in good faith and do good things sometimes, um, but he can also, he has a villainous side as well. I, I think he's going to stick around. I think he's going to stick around as that in the MCU. All right, so thank you, Chris. Uh, awesome question. And also, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but the first question we had for the podcast, the one that that Ryan and I answered during our conversation was from Steve Banvard. And that is another name that you should recognize as a previous guest host. So thank you, Chris. And thank you, Steve, for the questions this week. And if any of you out there have anything to add to the conversation, uh, questions, comments, concerns, complaints, you can send those over to Marvel Plus Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Real Brett Scott. If you enjoy Marvel Plus, don't forget to favorite or follow the podcast so you get each episode as soon as it drops. I put out new episodes every Monday after the newest episode of a Disney Plus Marvel series airs. Now, before I let you go, if you like what you're hearing and you want to help the podcast grow and reach a larger audience, the best thing you can do is tell your friends and share the episodes on social media. Nothing beats word of mouth. But right behind that, there's another way you can help the podcast grow. And that is to go over and rate or review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. As always, thank you so much for listening. My name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus. 